Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I was in my 20s, a mentor told me the parable of the rock climbers. He said, there's two best friends. They watch a documentary about rock climbing. They get interested in rock climbing. They decide, let's be rock climbers. So the first friend goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. He takes an hour. They show him around. He gets some shitty rental shoes. Gets a shitty rental harness. He gets up on the wall and he's like, oh, this is tricky. I didn't realize I'm actually climbing on rocks, but he sticks with it, you know? He goes back week after week, and he slowly gets a little better, and then eventually the rental shoes kind of piss him off, because he's like, ah, they always rub on the side of my foot, and he tells somebody else that he sees there when he's putting his shoes on, these shoes always rub the side of my foot. He's like, oh, you got the rental shoes? Yeah, I got the rental shoes. Well, let me tell you something, the shoes that they put on the second rack there, uh, the slightly wider ones, those are great for my feet. They'll probably be good for yours. And that's how he buys his first set of rock climbing shoes. And he goes through a similar process to figure out what harness he needs to get, what rope he needs to get. He starts climbing on rocks, and then he starts buying shit like a rock climber. The second friend does it in reverse. He goes on Amazon and looks for all the five-star reviewed rock climbing shoes and spends about half a day reading, comparing, contrasting different reviews, doing a sort of naive Bayesian analysis on like, who's probably telling the truth? How important is this attribute? He makes his best guess. He orders some shoes, orders one of the best harnesses you can get, a lot of quality rope, and then it sits there. Because climbing on rocks is scary, but if you want to be a rock climber, maybe all you have to do is buy some stuff. Hey, have you been buying some stuff because you wanted to be a producer? That daw is calling your name. Go get stuck on something. What's going on, my friend? You have tuned in to yet another episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaiser. It's been a while since I hit you with that intro. You like that? You like that? Pull it out from the top shelf just for you, my friend. This is Real English Radio. I hope you're doing well today. And I got something very interesting for you to think about. I got some interesting shit to put on your brain. We're talking all about 
the only two types of people that exist in this world. And I want you to listen to this episode and figure out which one of these people are you. That's the whole point of this episode, because there's only two types. There's only two. It's very hard to generalize when we're talking about life, when we're talking about people. Everyone's different. We have unique attributes. We come from different places and we have different stories. We speak different languages. But at the end of the day, there are only two kinds of people, at least in this context, at least in this context. So what is the context? We're talking about two people who want to learn rock climbing, which is essentially climbing on rocks for recreation, just for fun or to stay in shape or whatever they do it for. Right. And these two friends take two drastically different approaches. And as the story progresses, we see the consequences of their choices. So before we get deeper into the actual moral of the story, as always, I'm going to go back to the beginning and explain the nouns, the verbs, and the adjectives. Exactly. Exactly. So let me go back to the beginning so I can explain this bit by bit. Now, before I get tongue-tied two minutes into the fucking episode, before I go back to the beginning, I want to let you know, just in case you are relatively new to the podcast, if you want to learn more effectively with this show and get access to transcripts of every episode, study guides that will help you learn vocabulary in more detail and more effectively, and also bonus podcasts of the episode, Jesus Christ, bonus episodes of the (laughs) bonus episodes of the podcast, then click the link in the description and sign up on Patreon. All right, my friend, now that we've got the housekeeping out the way, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of the clip and break it down. Here we go. When I was in my 20s, a mentor told me the parable of the rock climbers. He's- okay, a couple of things I want to explain right out the gate. First sentence, my friend. He said, a couple of years, no, when I was in my 20s, a mentor told me a parable. So mentor is basically, it's similar to a teacher. You can think about it in that way, but it's essentially somebody who has more experience and wisdom than you, and they're giving you advice on how to do whatever it is you're doing better. So maybe you are an entrepreneur, you want to start a business, and this is your first time doing it, but you have a friend or an uncle or a neighbor or somebody who has owned a business for 15 years. So they've probably seen and done a lot more than you have done as a business owner, so you can learn from them. And so you guys have a pretty close relationship, and they're willing to share their wisdom and advice with you, not necessarily for anything in return. Some mentors will charge money. Others won't. They'll just do it because they want to help you specifically or they like helping people. But it's just like a teacher of some sort who will coach you on whatever it is that you're trying to do. That's a mentor. And so this mentor told him the parable of the rock climbers. Now, a parable is essentially a a simple story that's used to illustrate a point. It always has some type of deeper meaning that you should understand, you know. So his mentor told him the story of the rock climbers, which, again, is people who climb rocks for fun. All right, let's continue. When I was in my 20s, a mentor told me the parable of the rock climbers. He said, there's two best friends. They watch a documentary about rock climbing. They get interested in rock climbing. They decide, let's be rock climbers. So the first friend goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. Okay, so the first friend goes out and rents time at a bouldering place. The first thing I want to explain is to go out. Because this does have a slightly different meaning depending on the context, because you could just go out on a Friday night, which means leave the house to have fun, to go do something, 
drink with friends or go to a friend's house or whatever it may be. That's just going out on a Friday night. But if somebody goes out and does something, it's just a way of describing the fact that they leave the house to get it done. So let me read the sentence again. So the first friend goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. You could, he could have just said the first friend rents some time at a bouldering place and it would be not exactly the same, but you'd be transmitting the same idea because that is the point of the sentence, right? So why does he say go out? It's just like a colloquial way of speaking to emphasize the fact that he left his house and went to the bouldering place, but you don't have to say it. You see what I'm saying? So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. So he goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. Now, to be honest with you, I had never even heard this term before, a bouldering place. And if we weren't already talking about rock climbing, I probably wouldn't know what a bouldering place was. I learned it by listening to this clip, but it's basically a place where people go and practice rock climbing. I would refer to it as a rock climbing gym. I think most people I know would refer to it as a rock climbing gym or something like that with the term rock climbing in it. But apparently bouldering place is the same thing. So this guy goes out or he goes to a bouldering place and he rents some time. He rents an hour. Okay, so let's continue the story. Friend goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. He takes an hour. They show him around. He gets some shitty rental shoes, gets a shitty rental harness. He gets up on the wall and he's like, oh, this is tricky. I didn't realize I'm actually climbing on rocks, but he sticks with it, you know? All right, quite a few things to explain here. So again, he's at the bouldering place or the rock climbing gym and he rents an hour of time. So they show him around and he's referring to the staff that work at this place. They show him around. What that means is to just show him the place. In a, in a recent episode, I explained the difference between walk and walk around. And they're very similar. It's just walking around means no particular, you have no particular destination. You're just traveling to this point and that point, metaphorically or theoretically walking around the entire place or building or park or whatever it may be. So show and show around is something similar because I can show you the place and there's nothing wrong with saying that. But if I show you around, it means I'm going to take my time and I'm going to show you the bathrooms and where we keep the rope and where we keep the shoes and where the front door is, where the this is and where that is. I'm showing you all around this place as opposed to just here's the place because that's what it means to show somebody the place. We walk in and oh, here it is. I have shown you the place, but to show you around is to take my time and go around the place. I really hope that makes sense. So they show him around the place. He gets some shitty rental shoes, a shitty rental harness, and he gets up on the wall. So shitty, which you probably guessed, is not a very positive word. And it just means that the quality is shit. Shitty rental shoes are low quality rental shoes. They're not very good. A shitty harness, which is that uh, the thing that they put around their waist and connect to a rope so that they don't fall <laughs> off the wall, was also shitty low quality. It's just a rental, you know, just enough to get the job done. And then he gets up on the wall. Let me play that again. He gets some shitty rental shoes, gets a shitty rental harness. He gets up on the wall and he's like, oh, this is tricky. All right. So he's got his shoes, he's got his harness, and then he gets up on the wall. And I can't remember the last time I talked about this, but you'll notice after listening to English speakers for quite some time, there are times when we use two prepositions 
one right after the other. You see what I'm saying? So get up on the wall. Why did he say that instead of just get on the wall or get up the wall? It's because neither one of those would make sense or neither one of those would accurately describe what's happening here. Because if I say he gets on the wall, that could mean that he's standing on the ground with his back to the wall. But in that case, he's really leaning on the wall. If he gets on the wall, it means that he's off the ground and hanging like a picture does, like a picture frame or something. He's on the wall, like a poster. And if he gets up the wall, to me, that means that he climbs to the top. But to get up on the wall basically means to leave the ground so that you are up and then you're also on the wall, not necessarily at the top or the bottom. You're on the wall and you had to get up there to that position. I hope that makes some kind of sense because it's... It's the same thing with like get up on stage. You could just say get on stage because once you're standing there, you're technically on the stage. But the action of going from a lower position, getting up, like moving upward and then getting on the stage is why we say get up on stage or get up on the wall. Somebody please let me know if that makes sense because for years now, I've had a really hard time explaining the logic behind get up on or anything like that, you know, or it's, it's hot up in here, you know, what I mean? <laughs> doesn't make any literal sense. And I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it is something curious about the English language, right? So he gets up on the wall, right? He starts to, uh, ascend if you will. And he says, Oh shit, this is tricky. Now, just in case you don't know, if something is tricky, it means it's slightly challenging. It's not as easy or simple as you thought it might have been. Like math problems can be very tricky. Relationships can be tricky. Things of that nature. Climbing walls. When you've never climbed walls before, that can be tricky. A little complicated. You don't know exactly how to do it. Oh, it's a little challenging. It's a bit tricky, right? It's tricky. So he didn't realize he was actually climbing on rocks. But he sticks with it. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He sticks with it. So just in case it's not clear based on what I said, to stick with something basically means to persist the opposite of giving up even though you might want to give up so you're climbing this fucking wall you've never done it before you're out of shape got no upper body strength and you're like shit man this is a lot harder than i thought it was gonna be i'm just gonna go home eat some ice cream and watch netflix that would be giving up that would be quitting the opposite of that continuing to climb that wall and then showing up next week and doing it again that is sticking with it continuing to do it even though it's challenging okay all right, let's continue. They show him around, he gets some shitty rental shoes, gets a shitty rental harness. He gets up on the wall and he's like, oh, this is tricky. I didn't realize I'm actually climbing on rocks, but he sticks with it, you know? He goes back week after week and he slowly gets a little better. And then eventually the rental shoes kind of piss him off because he's like, ah, they always rub on the side of my foot. And he tells somebody else that he sees there when he's putting his shoes on. These shoes always rub the side of my foot. He's like, oh, you got the rental shoes? Yeah, I got the rental shoes. Well, let me tell you something. The shoes that they put on the second rack there, uh, the slightly wider ones, those are great for my feet. They'll probably be good for yours. Okay, so again, he's sticking with this rock climbing thing. He goes back week after week, getting better and better, little by little, until finally... Those shitty rental shoes that he was paying for, they start to piss him off. Now, you've probably heard to piss somebody off before and you think, oh, it makes somebody really angry. They're mad. I'm pissed off. And in this case, it doesn't necessarily mean angry, but it just means really irritated. You know, so the shoes are starting to irritate him because 
they always rub the side of his foot. R-U-B, rub. Now, to give you a, a visual idea of what it means to rub, I want you to take your hand, left or right, whatever you feel comfortable with, you know what I'm saying? Take your hand, open it completely so that you can see the palm of your hand, the inside, and then I want you to take that hand and put it on your forearm. Just place it on your forearm. I want your palm to be touching your arm. And then without lifting your hand, just slowly move your hand up and down your arm. You are essentially rubbing your arm, right? Like when you put on lotion or some type of cream, you rub that on your skin. You see? So now, getting back to the context, his shoes are pissing him off or really irritating him because they're always rubbing the side of his foot. So just imagine the inside of your shoe just going back and forth, back and forth on one particular part of your foot. You're probably going to get a blister or something like that. It becomes very irritating and eventually painful. So it's starting to piss him off. I really hope that makes sense. So they're always rubbing the side of my foot. They're pissing me off. And so he tells somebody else at the rock climbing gym about his problem. He's just casual, making small talk. He's, he sees somebody putting on their shoes and he says, oh man, you know, these shoes always rub the side of my foot. And the other person says, oh, are you wearing the rental shoes? He said, yeah, 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 I got the rental shoes. And the other guy says, well, let me tell you something. The shoes that they put on the second rack, they're a bit wider. So those are great for my feet. They're probably good for yours too. They probably won't rub and irritate your feet like those shitty rental shoes. And that is how he made his first purchase as a rock climber. That is how he decided to buy some good rock climbing shoes. Okay. All right, let's continue. Yeah, I got the rental shoes. Well, let me tell you something. The shoes that they put on the second rack there, uh, the slightly wider ones, those are great for my feet. They'll probably be good for yours. And that's how he buys his first set of rock climbing shoes. And he goes through a similar process to figure out what harness he needs to get, what rope he needs to get. He starts climbing on rocks, and then he starts buying shit like a rock climber. The second friend does it in reverse. All right, the second friend does it in reverse, just in case it's not clear to you. To do something in reverse basically means to do it backwards, the opposite of the way it's supposed to be done in terms of the steps that you take. So imagine that you need to do A, B, and C in that order. It has to be A, then B, then C. That's doing it the normal way, for lack of a better way of saying it. To do it in reverse, to do it backwards means to do it C, B, then A. Now I'm doing it in reverse. You see what I mean? Or I'm doing it backwards, opposite of the way it's intended to be done. So the second friend does everything the first friend did, just in reverse, the opposite way. Starts climbing on rocks, and then he starts buying shit like a rock climber. The second friend does it in reverse. He goes on Amazon and looks for all the five-star reviewed rock climbing shoes and spends about half a day reading, comparing, contrasting different reviews, doing a sort of naive Bayesian analysis on like, who's probably telling the truth? How important is this attribute? He makes his best guess. He orders some shoes, orders one of the best harnesses you can get, a lot of quality rope, and then it sits there. Okay, so this guy, again, is doing the process in reverse. He gets on Amazon, he looks for five-star reviewed rock climbing shoes, he's reading all day, making comparisons, and then this guy says he starts doing a sort of naive Bayesian analysis. Now, the word naive is basically the opposite of wise. It means that you have no experience, you have no wisdom, 
not you don't have a good sense of judgment, you know, you're just inexperienced. So you're probably going to make very silly mistakes because you don't have the experience that would have given you the knowledge and the wisdom to keep you from making that mistake. You get what I'm saying? So that's naive. And so Bayesian analysis, I learned while working on this episode, and apparently it's some type of statistical method for uh, doing particular calculations. That's really all I can tell you without sounding like an idiot, my friend. I apologize. But, you know, if you want to Google it, B-A-Y-E-S-I-A-N, Bayesian analysis. But frankly, I don't know when you're going to need to know that term. So we're just going to move right along. So he's doing naive analysis. That's really the point here. He's He has no idea what he's looking for. He has no idea how to judge the quality of all this gear. But even still, he gets online and starts watching hours of reviews, looking at five-star reviews on Amazon. Ooh, maybe I should get this one. It's $9.99. I should get that one. It's $6.99, but it doesn't have these features. It doesn't have those features. But he doesn't know the difference. How is he going to know the difference between a $400 pair of shoes and a $1,400 pair of shoes when he's never climbed a wall before? So it's a waste of time. It's a very naive thing to do. A true rock climber with experience might be able to make that call or make that judgment. But if you've never done this, you've never even bought a pair of shoes, how can you accurately compare them? You see? So that's really what he's describing here. So he's doing his analysis. He's watching reviews and shit. He's asking himself, who's telling the truth? Which features are important? Blah, blah, blah. And then he starts buying shit. The best shoes, the best rope, the best harness, blah, blah, blah. And then all of that equipment just sits there. And when we say it just sits there, obviously equipment cannot physically sit on anything. But we also use the word sit to mean rest. Not in the sense of like rest because you're tired, but rest meaning stay in one position. Okay, so I can put this uh, phone on my desk and now the phone is sitting on my desk. It's the same thing as saying the phone is on the desk, but if the phone is sitting on the desk, it means that it's just going to stay there. You might not really see the difference between what I just said after I heard myself say it, but it's just another way of saying something that's practically the same. Like right now, my phone is sitting on my desk. I have a book sitting on my desk. Just a way of speaking. I hope that makes some kind of sense to you. So when he says the equipment just sits there, it means that it's resting in one place and does not move the same way you do when you sit. Hopefully that little part right there made it more clear. So the, the, the equipment is just sitting over there in the corner. It's not being used, even though he just spent all that money and did all that research. He's not even using the shit. So that's the main idea. I'm going to go back a few seconds, play it again, and then we'll continue. Rock climber. The second friend does it in reverse. He goes on Amazon and looks for all the five-star reviewed rock climbing shoes and spends about half a day reading, comparing, contrasting different reviews, doing a sort of naive Bayesian analysis on like, who's probably telling the truth? How important is this attribute? He makes his best guess. He orders some shoes, orders one of the best harnesses you can get, a lot of quality rope, and then it sits there. Because climbing on rocks is scary. But if you want to be a rock climber, maybe all you have to do is buy some stuff. All right, I'm going to stop right there and just reiterate that phrase because it really is the one thing that's running through this entire episode. He says, he, buys, he does the analysis, he buys all the equipment, and then it just sits there. Because climbing on rocks is scary. 
But if you want to be a rock climber, maybe all you have to do is buy some stuff. Now, because of the way he said it and how fast he said it, it might not have really settled in to your brain, like what he meant to say. What I believe he means to say is, yeah, climbing on rocks is scary. Actually becoming the thing that you want to become is fucking scary because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to look stupid. You might fall down and hurt yourself and then you got to get back up. You might be feeling embarrassed and then you got to get over that shit and try and try again and go to the gym on the days you don't want to and have people laughing at you, people criticizing you, people telling you you're doing it wrong, having to do it by yourself because none of your friends want to do it. I mean, all this shit, it can just be scary. Trying to do something new that you've never done before and that nobody else wants to do with you, that can be scary. Right? And so maybe instead of doing that, maybe instead of going through the process, going through the struggle and earning the skill or whatever it is you want, maybe I can just buy some stuff. Maybe I can get on Amazon and just pay money for all my problems to go away. Maybe I can just pay money and then download the skill, right? Maybe I can just buy some equipment and then if I use the same equipment that all the professionals are using, maybe I'll perform like a professional. This is the idea that needs to be kept in your brain. This is the mentality that you need to focus on while listening to this episode. Maybe I can just throw money at it and everything will be okay. That is the second friend's approach. All right, that's the idea. Let's continue. A lot of quality rope. And then it sits there. Because climbing on rocks is scary. But if you want to be a rock climber, maybe all you have to do is buy some stuff. Hey, have you been buying some stuff because you wanted to be a producer? <laughs> that dog is calling your name. Go get stuck on something. That pause was fucking brilliant. All right, so he finishes his idea by saying, again, climbing on rocks is scary, but maybe you can just buy some shit and that will solve all your problems and you can become a rock climber overnight. And then he switches ideas. He says, hey, have you been buying stuff because you wanted to be a producer? When he says producer, he's talking about music. And then the next sentence is that DAW is calling your name. Now, DAW is an acronym, D-A-W. Those letters represent complete words. That's what an acronym is. So D is digital, A is audio, and W is workspace or workstation. Let me double check. Digital audio workstation. That's what it is. So it's basically like a software program that musicians and producers will use to record things, edit things, mix audio and produce audio and things of that nature. Like Adobe Audition, I believe, is a digital audio workspace. Ableton Live, Fruity Loops back in the day for the OGs. I don't know what people use these days, but it's just software for making music. Okay, So I guess this guy who made the video works in the music industry or he's a producer or something like that. And he made this video speaking specifically to artists or other producers. But again, you can apply this. I shouldn't say again, because I haven't said this yet. I said it in my mind six or seven times before I started recording. Um, <laughs> anyway, again, 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 and again for the first time. Um, this can be applied to anybody. That's the point I'm making here. It's not just for musicians. It's anybody trying to do or learn anything. But now you should understand exactly what he meant when he said, have you been buying some stuff because you wanted to be a producer? That DAW or that software program is calling your name. And then he finishes by saying, go get stuck on something. Now to get stuck on something, depending on the context, can mean 
to, to not be able to make progress on a particular task. That's basically what it means. Like there's something that is causing you to uh, delay the process. You know, you're, for example, you're making music or you're writing a book or a movie script or something. And for whatever, like you're fully engaged in the process, but for whatever reason, you just can't find that last line or that last music note or how to finish it or what line is supposed to go right here, or what this person should do, or how this should sound. You're just totally in the process, in the moment, just trying to find that thing. If you're not an artist, if you don't produce art, this might be hard to conceptualize in your brain. Um, but art isn't the only thing that you get stuck on, right? It could be something at work, just a problem at work, or a life problem. Just constantly thinking about it, just, ah, oh, what's the, what am I going to do? What do I, what, what's missing? What is here? You're just stuck. You're stuck. You're enveloped in this thing and you can't find a way forward. That's basically what it means to get stuck. So when he says go get stuck on something, he's referring to the, the very common occurrence, at least amongst artists, creatives. The thing that happens when you're creating shit and sometimes you just can't find that thing that's missing, man, to complete the piece of artwork. You know, it's a very common thing that happens when you're doing creative work. Like you have this idea and you're, you're just drilling away, working on it, and then you just... Ah, you get stuck. There's just something missing and you don't know what it is. And then you go for a run or you take a shower, you watch a movie, you hang out with some friends and you come back and bam, ah, that's what it was. And now you're not stuck anymore because you found that thing that was missing and now you can move forward. All right. So that is the end of the clip, my friend. It's two minutes long. So I'm going to go back and play it from start to finish with no interruptions. And like I said, in I think the last episode, I don't know, I'm going to start saying it more frequently now. I'm going to put timestamps in the description of the episode. So if you want to skip back and forth to different parts or you don't want to hear the replay or whatever it may be, just click the link in the description. No, just click the description, read the description and look at the timestamps to see at which point you need to start or stop or skip forward or back or whatever you got to do. That was a whole lot of words. But basically at this moment in the transmission, my friend, I'm going to go back to the beginning and play it again. Here we go. When I was in my 20s, a mentor told me the parable of the rock climbers. He said, there's two best friends. They watch a documentary about rock climbing. They get interested in rock climbing. They decide, let's be rock climbers. So the first friend goes out and rents some time at a bouldering place. He takes an hour. They show him around. He gets some shitty rental shoes. Gets a shitty rental harness. He gets up on the wall and he's like, oh, this is tricky. I didn't realize I'm actually climbing on rocks, but he sticks with it, you know? He goes back week after week and he slowly gets a little better. And then eventually the rental shoes kind of piss him off because he's like, ah, they always rub on the side of my foot. And he tells somebody else that he sees there when he's putting his shoes on, these shoes always rub the side of my foot. He's like, oh, you got the rental shoes? Yeah, I got the rental shoes. Well, let me tell you something. The shoes that they put on the second rack there, uh, the slightly wider ones, those are great for my feet. They'll probably be good for yours. And that's how he buys his first set of rock climbing shoes. And he goes through a similar process to figure out what harness he needs to get, what rope he needs to get. He starts climbing on rocks, and then he starts buying shit like a rock climber. The second friend does it in reverse. He goes on Amazon and looks for all the five-star reviewed rock climbing shoes and spends about half a day reading, comparing, contrasting different reviews, doing a sort of naive Bayesian analysis on like, who's probably telling the truth? How important is this attribute? He makes his best guess. He orders some shoes, orders one of the best harnesses you can get, a lot of quality rope. 
and then it sits there. Because climbing on rocks is scary. But if you want to be a rock climber, maybe all you have to do is buy some stuff. Hey, have you been buying some stuff because you wanted to be a producer? That DAW is calling your name. Go get stuck on something. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And there you have it, my friend. Hopefully it was a bit easier to understand the second time around. And hopefully the ideas are really starting to sink in. I think this is a great illustration of the only two types of people that exist, at least in the context of achieving goals or learning new skills or anything of that nature. So what exactly are the main takeaways from this story, in my opinion? I think the first one is that there are generally only two ways can't say generally only, Jesus Christ. I mean, I can. It's just, it sounds a bit uh, contradictory, doesn't it? Uh, at least to me, when I say generally only, one is not specific and the other one is. Generally speaking, which means that there's some room for variation, and then only means like unique. This is not important. I'm just thinking out loud and letting you hear how a native English speaker is thinking about these words, and maybe it's helpful to you. But anyway, getting back to the point. There are really only two ways of learning or approaching something, if you ask me. I could be wrong about this, okay? This is not law, all right? Just opinion. But in this story, we see it get played out. The first friend takes an experimental or hands-on approach. Starts with the most basic equipment, just some fucking rental shoes, shitty rental harness, just showing up at the gym and getting after it, just trying things, putting his hands on the wall, putting his feet on the wall, using his fucking shoulders and biceps and triceps and his, his lat muscles to pull his body weight up a wall, which is something he's never done before. But guess what? He's doing it, right? And why is he doing it? Because he went to the gym and just fucking did it. He just made a simple choice. Just made a simple choice to do it. And then by doing it, he very quickly sees how he's not supposed to do it and how he is supposed to do it. He's watching other rock climbers climb those walls. Hmm, maybe I should use that technique. Maybe I should use this technique. You can't really do that sitting at home on the couch looking at Amazon reviews or watching YouTube tutorials. It's just not the same thing, and you know that. You know that. You're not going to learn to play like Messi watching Messi play on fucking YouTube. You can pick up some pointers here and there, but until you go to the field and kick the ball, it's just not going to happen. And the second friend finds that out very quickly because the second friend takes the second of the two approaches. 
So again, the first one is hands-on, experimental. The second one is essentially a theoretical approach, a research-based approach. Reading reviews, watching videos, talking about it, looking at the gear. Oh, this one's the best. This one has these features. This one costs more, so it must be better quality and blah, blah, blah. Never even climbed a wall in his fucking life, but worried about all that shit as if he's a real professional. It's all based on theory and research and numbers and X's and O's and fucking, you know what I'm saying? Nothing tangible about it. And he buys all the gear and all these things, but he never goes to the gym and puts that shit to work. And this really emphasizes the value of practical experience when it comes to acquiring new skills. Because with the first friend, that hands-on approach, even though he might look like a fucking idiot in the beginning, even though he might fall off the wall 10 times more than anybody else in the gym, even though those rental shoes look, are looking pretty shitty on his feet, he is still getting the experience that is needed to learn things on a deeper level, to understand things on a deeper level, to actually know how something is done and not just have an idea of how something is done. This is the difference between the practical and the theoretical approach, is knowing how something is done and having an idea of how something is done. Because I have an idea of how Messi will bend the ball up and over a wall into the back of the net. I have an idea of how it's done. I don't know how to do that shit. <laughs> I don't know how to do that shit. You know? I have an idea of how a software program is written, but I'm not writing any fucking code. I don't know how to do that. Right? I have an idea of what some French words mean. I can't speak that shit, though. You see what I'm saying? It's practical versus theoretical. True understanding or just an idea of what something is. And the second friend's approach really highlights the, the issue with over-preparation without taking any action. Because you can have the best equipment in the world. You can watch all the fucking tutorials. You can talk to people, listen to stories, read reviews, and all of that shit. But until you put on the shoes and the harness and you take your ass to the gym and climb up the wall, it really doesn't mean anything. And the longer you spend preparing for something, the easier it is to actually just decide not to do it. Because you just get... You spend more and more time thinking and talking about it. So it makes you feel like you're doing something, but you never actually do it. And so you just get comfortable talking about it. You get comfortable buying equipment for it. You get comfortable watching videos about it and telling people that you have equipment, telling people that you're interested in rock climbing, but you never climb the fucking wall. All this preparation, all, this, all these thoughts and planning and visions and all this shit when you could easily just get up off your ass and go to the gym and do it but you're not doing it this is the issue with the theoretical approach to learning you know i think theoretical approach is good for an introduction to learning a new skill obviously it's important but practice is how we learn each and every one of the skills we know whether it's communication with other people cooking food driving a car making money, dating and flirting and shit, whatever it is, whatever it is, you learn by doing it. You learn by doing it. And by doing it, especially something like, like learning skills, rock climbing, learning English, learning to play football, whatever it is, by learning the skill actively, by participating, you're going to be doing that shit with other people. Or you can at least have intelligent conversations with other people that are actually doing it. 
because a conversation with somebody who just knows theory versus somebody who knows something practically is going to be very different. Because there are certain things that you just won't understand until you've done the thing, no matter what it is. Speaking a language, driving a boat, whatever it may be, until you've actually done it, you can't speak about it intelligently like somebody else who has actually done it. So if you're only on the theoretical level, you can't even interact the same way with the group of people who are doing it practically. And so by doing it practically, you can start to hang out with other people that do it practically and learn from them, just like we saw in the story. He's buying these shitty rental shoes. They're rubbing the side of his feet. They're pissing him off. He just sees somebody at the gym, which he would not be able to do if he wasn't at the gym. And he says, hey, man, these shoes keep rubbing my feet. And just, just because he opened his mouth, this other guy at the gym said, oh, you should get these ones. These ones will be better for you. Then he gets some better shoes. And now he can feel the difference between the shitty rental shoes and the high quality ones off the second rack. Now he understands why he's paying that price for these shoes and why he's paying this price for those shoes. It's not something you can learn by reading reviews on Amazon. You have to put on the shoes and use them to understand why they're better or worse. And you can apply that mentality to anything. Let me put it back on you. When it comes to learning or, or speaking English, when you interact with real people and you make mistakes and they correct you, then you understand why you can't say this. The more you use the language, you start to understand why it's wrong. You start being able to correct your own mistakes. You know when you said something that sounds strange because you're using the language every day. You're talking to real people and they're giving you feedback. You cannot do that. Sitting at home, scrolling on your fucking cell phone. And this is not a lecture. And I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm not mad. That's not the point here. I'm just trying to really, I'm trying to get this into your brain, bro. It's so simple, but so often overlooked. And everybody's asking themselves, why am I not learning? Why am I not making progress? Because you're not doing shit. You're just watching and listening like a passive fucking spectator. It's not how this works, bro. You got to get in the game. Get out of the stands, down onto the field, and kick the fucking ball around with the other players. That is how you learn how to play. It's not sitting up in the stand talking shit about other players. It's not sitting up in the stand saying, oh, they should do it like this. They should do it like that. That's what losers do, bro. People that are actually out there playing in the game, making shit happen, they have a deeper understanding, and they understand as well. People up in the stands talking shit. There's no reason to worry about that. Who gives a shit? They're cowards. That's why they sit up there and watch. Because they're not good enough to play. And I don't, I'm not talking shit about people who watch games. That's not, hopefully you get the point I'm trying to make. It's that like being afraid of people seeing you trying. Remember episode 21, I think it was, where we talked about that? Being seen making mistakes, looking naive or foolish or being a beginner. A lot of that stops people. I said that wrong. That stops a lot of people from getting onto the field and playing the fucking game. But that is the only way to learn how to play the game. You have to make an actual commitment physically many times, right? Just think about the example in the story. You can commit by buying equipment. Now you've made a financial commitment to owning this equipment, I suppose. But until you get up out of your seat, get in your car and go to the gym, start climbing on walls, you haven't really committed to becoming a rock climber. Until you get up out of your comfort zone and talk to real people, you haven't really committed to learning English, have you? Right? 
And I'm not talking, I don't want you to feel bad if you've never had a conversation with another human being. Maybe you're still at those beginning stages and you don't feel comfortable doing it. You want to learn a bit more or you're having a hard time finding people, whatever it may be. There are a million reasons why you might not be talking to people every day. I'll give you that. But what I'm saying is until you make the commitment and make an effort every single day to find people to talk to, to find a way to practice, to learn and improve, you haven't really made the commitment, have you? Until you start going to the gym every day, are you really committed to going to the gym? Of course not. Of course not. You're just committed like conceptually, theoretically, but you don't have any skin in the game. There's nothing on the line here. If you stop doing it or if you don't do it, nobody's going to know, right? So are you really committed? Another really important thing to consider when listening to this clip is the subtle critique of consumerism. I'm not about to get into the pros and cons of capitalism or anything like that. But there is something to be said about the idea that you need to buy shit to solve your problems. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, whether it's the language learning industry or the photography industry or the music production industry, acting industry, construction industry, you fucking name an industry. This is the game. There are tons of people out there who know that people just like you and me are fucking lazy. And we're fucking cowards. And instead of having the balls to get up and do some shit, we just want to pay money and have somebody do it for us. Because it's easier. There's no shame, no embarrassment, no effort, no energy wasted, nothing like that. And so what they'll do is create a catalog of content trying to position themselves as an expert in your mind who has been there and done that, who knows all the secrets, who has all the skills, who's successful, who's in a much better position than you. And somebody who can show you the way, give you the shortcuts for $999. That's what's really going on here, bro. That's why so many people around the world are making money selling bullshit because they know deep down it's much easier for you psychologically to pull out your wallet and pay for a solution than it is to get up off your ass and solve the problem yourself. And we've just been deep, like this idea is deeply ingrained that we can just pay for problems to go away. We can just pay and we're going to wake up and have this skill. We're just going to pay and wake up and be successful. But that is not how it works. And deep down in your soul, you know that. You know that. And yet still, you sit on the couch instead of putting in the fucking work. And I say you, but I mean we. Because I'm no different. Do not misunderstand my words. I'm no different. But it's a real issue thinking that, oh, I can just buy this gear, and then I'm going to produce like the professionals. I can just buy this $6,000 camera and take amazing pictures. I'm going to blow up on Instagram and become a professional photographer. I can just buy this $800 course, do it for 30 days, and speak English fluently. I can buy this $10,000 beat machine, and then I'm going to produce like Hit Boy or Dr. Dre or whoever the fuck. It is retarded, bro. And yet, year after year, people spend dollar after dollar on bullshit courses or equipment that they don't even know how to use because it's all easier psychologically and emotionally than putting in the fucking work every day. So in that, in that sense, consumerism is a bit of a problem, thinking that just consuming a bunch of content is going to solve the problem or consuming a bunch of, or buying a bunch of products is going to solve the problem. But it's not, bro. There is no shortcut. 
There is no remedy or solution or anything you can buy to solve this issue. It's all on you. And I don't mean to sound dark or give you some like lecture or motivational speech, but it's on you, bro. Either you're going to climb the wall or you're not. No, no pair of shoes is going to solve that issue. The harness isn't the issue. The rope is not the issue. The location of the gym is not the issue. It's the lack of understanding of how skills are learned, truly learned. That is the issue here. After going through public school, you think you can just memorize a few words or numbers and then take a test and pass it, and that means that you're certified. Then you get out of school and you're looking at your fucking phone all day, seeing a bunch of frauds and fakes and advertisements, and they start to create the perception that you can just pay for all your problems to go away. You can just buy a solution or wake up and everything's different overnight. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. But this I do know. If you want to learn English, if you want to speak fluently, confidently, naturally, if you want to make more money, if you want to learn how to play football, learn to cook, no matter what the fuck it is, you have to learn by doing it to get out of your chair and put your feet into the fucking fire and see how it feels. Right? To bring it into your hands and take it apart and put it back together and play with it. You have to gain experience. You cannot live this life in a passive manner. And I'm, I'm not trying to get all deep or inspirational. Don't, you know? <laughs> Probably said that two or three times. I feel myself going in that direction. That's not the point. Saying, bro, you have to start participating. Being afraid, being nervous, being anxious, that's fine, bro. It is normal. You are a human being. Even as a man, most people listening to this are men. Even as a man, you are allowed to feel emotions, bro. You are allowed to be scared. You are allowed to be nervous. You are allowed to feel anxious. It is a natural human feeling. Everyone feels it, no matter what the fuck they tell you, except maybe, I don't know, psychopaths. I don't know. But it's natural to feel those things. What makes us different is how we react to those feelings. And just in case nobody ever told you, you can choose different reactions to the same feelings. You don't have to run away every time you're afraid of something. You can choose to face it head on. You don't have to give up every time something gets hard. You can choose to stick with it. You can choose that. And maybe nobody ever told you before, but you can do so much more than you think you can do, bro. I mean that with every fiber of my being. You can do so much more than you think you can do. Most of the time, the only thing that stops you from doing something, or at least trying to do something, is the belief that you cannot do it. I'm not talking about shit that requires tens of thousands of dollars and you're in some dirt poor country. I'm not talking about that shit. I'm talking about stuff that's actually within your reach. Learning to speak English. You can do that. And many other things. If you just get over the fear of being seen trying. If you get out of the mindset that I can spend money to make all my problems go away. Or that I don't have to put in fucking effort to learn things. To become the best at something. To think that that doesn't require ridiculous, ungodly amounts of time and energy and effort and persistence and discipline to, to have the fucking audacity, the fucking arrogance to think that you can come in on day one and be the best. You can just write a check and now you're the best of the best. The fucking audacity, bro. Nah, man. Nah, we gotta put in the fucking work, bro. And you can do it. 
no matter what people in your life say, no matter what that little bitch ass nigga in your own head is telling you, you can fucking do it. You can do so much more than you think you can do if you put in the work. So the next time you want to learn a new skill, approach a new activity or whatever it may be, just remind yourself there are two approaches. You can take the passive approach, the lazy approach, the naive approach, and just try to spend money on shit, obsess over theory, talk shit about other people who are actually doing this shit, make excuses for why you can't get started, make excuses for why you're not successful, successful, excuse me, or you can learn by doing, you can gain experience, you can just fucking get started and figure it out along the way. That's what successful people do. You just fucking just work with whatever you have at your disposal now, get the feedback and then figure out what you should really be doing. This is the approach, y'all. This is the approach. Same thing with like, I'll take it all the way back to learning English. I didn't focus on that as much as I would have liked to, <coughs> excuse me, in this episode. But I'll finish by saying this. When it comes to learning language, just getting out there and talking to people, whoever it may be, and detaching from the results. Like if the conversation doesn't go well, who gives a shit? If you made some mistakes, who gives a shit? If you said something dumb, who gives a shit? I bet you'll learn a lot more than you'll learn sitting at home scrolling on your fucking cell phone. I bet you will. By being one of the very few people that's not afraid to be seen making mistakes. Over time, you will make fewer and fewer mistakes. Or at least you'll stop making the same mistakes. You see? In other words, you will become more wise because you will have more experience. Isn't that what you want for yourself? So just keep this in mind, man. It's something very, very, very important that millions of people, unfortunately, have not internalized yet. There's nothing wrong with being a beginner. There's nothing wrong with looking silly when you're trying something new. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being afraid. There's nothing wrong with being nervous. There's nothing wrong with being anxious. And the reason there's nothing wrong with that is because it's not the end of the world. You can overcome that shit. And on the other side, be a stronger person because you chose to overcome that shit. This is the point. And I'm going to leave you with that, my friend. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.